This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. Godfrey's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we're pleased to have not one, but two terrific guests this week. Julie Haggerty is a gifted actress of stage and screen. You know her work from TV shows such as Murphy Brown, ER, Everybody Loves Raymond, King of the Hill, Grace and Frankie and Family Guy, as well as the love interest of one of our most treasured podcast guests, the late, great Adam West. She's also done memorable work in features like A Midsummer Night Sex Comedy, Lost in America, Noises Off, What About Bob, U-Turn, Storytelling, and the recently released Marriage Story. And of course, as my co-star in the cinematic classic, Bad Medicine. <laughs> oh, Robert Hayes is a funny and versatile actor who's appeared in dozens of TV programs, including the Larry Sanders Show, that 70s show, Touched by an Angel, and Spin City, and in featured roles in series like Angie, Starman, and the title role in the Iron Man animated series. He's also hosted an episode of Saturday Night Live from a season I'd love to forget for strictly personal reasons. Ah, <laughs> uh, you've also seen his work in films like Take This Job and Shove It, Cat's Eye, Trench Coat, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, Mr. T and the Women, and the superhero movie. 40 years ago, next month, these two performers co-starred in a little low-budget comedy feature that would go on to rank among one of the funniest and most beloved movies ever made by anyone anywhere. 
1980s airplane. Please welcome to the show Elaine Dickinson and Ted Stryker, also known as the talented Julie Haggerty and Robert Hayes. Hello! Yes! <laughs> yes! What a big crowd we have. Robert's cheering. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Oh, it's so neat to be here. I melted my microphone. <laughs> this is this is a, a genuine I, thrill. I I worked with the two of you. Yes. Yes. Separately. Yeah. With with Julie, uh, we were we were in Madrid together. We were in, yes, we were in Spain, and I was running from you most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Because you would just torture me with laughter. <laughs> I I remember I used to mock the way you spoke. Yes. And and I used to like uh, when I when we'd be in a restaurant together, I'd say to the waiter, "Por favor, ah, por favor, aqua con gas." <laughs> And then Julie got back at me. She did an imitation of me and she put on a depressed face <laughs> and she said, I'm depressed. They hate Jews here. <laughs> and, and Robert, we worked together Saturday Night Live in one of the shittiest seasons of <laughs> January nineteen eighty one episode to be exact. Yes. Yeah. What do, you, do you do you remember any of the horrible sketches? Luckily I don't. I do. I do. I was telling Frank the other day I was doing a film in Toronto at the time. And uh, it was a comedy I was doing with uh Brooke Adams. And um, Ben, uh, oh gosh, mm, I just went, I'm getting old. I just went blank on his name. Anyway, sorry, Ben, Ben, uh, his last name. But he, he did stand-up comedy and he was my comic sidekick kind of in the movie. And uh, my friend that helped me in my, our little shenanigans that we did. And I told him, I said, I'm going to be hosting Saturday Night Live. They want me to do that. And have you got any ideas? Can we kick around ideas? I have nothing. I don't know what to, to do. I want to be able to take something just to contribute some ideas. Even if they throw them out, at least I could contribute some ideas. So we came up with a couple of things. And one of them was the, uh, it was a, a blind date. It was a phone conversation and it was an inflatable doll. And it's the way the show opened. And they went for that. And, uh, the lousy thing was they kept telling me, do you remember Joe Disco? Joe Dixo is his name. He was the floor oh, yeah, manager. Yes, famous, yes. famous stage manager. Yeah. Well, they call him Joe Disco. And I just had done this film called Take This Job and Shove It. And I had a hat. And he loved that hat. So I gave it to him. So he was wearing that around all the time. And it starts out with me on a phone. This, the whole show does. And uh, before you say live, New York, it's Saturday night, all of that, it starts out with his sketch. And... So I'm doing it, and he kept telling me, don't worry, the audience uh, is, is going to be awful. The, the, uh, you know, the first audience, because they're not seeing the live show. 
And they're really going to be pissed off. They're going to be, it's just going to be awful. So don't worry about it. Don't let it throw you. So we did it and they really liked it. <laughs> they had a great time in the audience. It was terrific. So then we come to do the show and he says, ready and places. And I go over and I get my places. Where's the phone? I said, Joe, where's the phone? He says, what? The phone. There's no phone. He says, hey, anybody see Robert's phone? And they said, no, I didn't see the phone. I, I didn't see the phone. And I said, I got to have the phone. The whole thing is on the phone. And he said, yeah, do it without it. And I said, do it without it. You're on. <laughs> and I'm standing there. And I was an egg on my face. And I didn't know what the hell they're supposed to do. And I thought, geez, I wonder why Frank doesn't call. Ah, gee, what would he ask me if he was going to call? I imagine he'd probably ask me. I'm just I'm trying to come up with stuff, and it was just miserable. And that set the whole show off, and it horrible for it for me. And so it was terrible. And the other thing that I did in the show, that, that I, other idea that, that Ben gave me, was a, I guess it was a little idea floating around at the time that people were talking about. So I, I suggested the, the Elephant Man um, Thanksgiving, the family reunion. <laughs> And so it had, they, they went for that and it had everybody sitting around the table, grandpa and mom, dad, and the aunts and uncles of the kids, the grandchildren, everybody all had bags on their heads. And uh, the great grandfather, the portrait up on the wall had, the guy had a bag on his head and the little parrot was in the cage, had a parrot, on, a bag on its head. And uh, that kind of went over, sort of, I guess. But the show was, it was awful. Gil, do you remember the Elephant Man family sketch? No, I, I've luckily blocked most of my my most of my season of Saturday Night Live out. Yeah, and yeah. and thank you, Jesus, they never rerun them. Yes, no, no, yeah. Lauren buried those in the yard. I'll have to Google that. At the end of that show, they had me make an announcement, and one of the supporting actors they made a regular on the show, and so I made the announcement. And it says, before we go, I just want to make the announcement. Um, we're taking one of the supporting actors and making him a regular on the show. So let's have a big hand for Eddie Murphy. Do you re- oh. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yes. Wow. Yes, I do remember that. Oh, that's right. And he said wow. that he never was a feature player. And I I made the announcement that he was. But uh, it was kind of oh, odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did start out as a featured that's player. That's right. Yeah. Wow, we. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, it's been years since I saw Bad Medicine, Gil. <laughs> <laughs> if you did, then you're the only one. You played the Spaniard. Famously, you played the Spaniard Tony Sandoval. Yes. <laughs> of course you would cast Gilbert as a Spaniard. Julie, who did you play? Yes. Um, I played the uh, like a, a student going to medical school. Um, and... Um, I wish I had played Gilbert's part. Did you have scenes together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did because we were all sort of in the. I, I don't. It was so strange, wasn't it? It was oh, very it was strange. Very it was weird. Very, Good cast. Very Alan Arkin and Steve. Oh Gutenberg's yeah. In there and Julie yeah. Kavner. Right. And, right. Uh, oh jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and an old podcast guest, Bill Macy. Oh, Bill Macy. Oh, gosh, Bill I Macy. totally forgot he was right. in that. Oh, wow. I think well, Bill Macy was, was, in, was in a Starman episode, too, Robert. He was. He was. Yeah, and Julie yeah. Kavner was, we were at the Old Globe Theater together in San Diego. So we're, we have all these connections. Gal. Small. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's Talented. great. All she's, connected. Yeah. She's a great yeah. talent. We, yeah. But 
Gilbert was brilliant. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I remember uh, about bad medicine, you know, all of us were struggling with our Spanish accents. Oh, yes. <laughs> and in one part, I'm supposed to reprimand how someone's dressed. And my line is, old shoes must be black. And and it came out as old Jews must be black. <laughs> oh my God! Oh dear! Have you dear. Have, was... have you not seen her since Bad Medicine, Gilbert? Julie, I. No, no we I... used to see each other in New York sometimes. You yes. came up to my old apartment with uh, um, Curtis. Curtis yes. Armstrong. Yeah. I I went up to your old apartment. You made what? dinner. And you had just fallen off a horse, I think. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, and then I, maybe that was the last time I saw you because I cooked. No, I, I, uh, the last time I saw you, it was on, there was some TV show I was doing a guest spot on. Oh. And I don't know if you were a regular on it or what, but I remember on the set, we ran into each other. Well, this is truly neat. This yes. is just <laughs> such a, a, just so marvelous to see, to see you and, and Bob and I see each other and to meet you. This is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, tell us about you and Bob meeting for the first time, Julie. <gasps> Oh, well, the was first it? time I met Bob was we tested together, um, which yeah. is back in the day where you still like did a screen test together. And he was just the the nicest, kindest, funniest, uh, most supportive because I hadn't been in a film and I didn't know what I was doing. And I just come from doing off, 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 off Broadway. So he um, just, uh, he he's like, the most generous actor ever. Well, it was really, it was fun. It was 1979. That's when we we tested and we did all that. And then that's when wow. we filmed it. Yeah. It was 79 and then it came out in 80. But um, uh, we were, we. I think we were lucky that we got to have each other to test with because it was so fun for both of us. It was so yes. great. And so I think the chemistry was, was there and I, they could see that. And uh, yeah. so we, yeah. we let uh and it was, and it was modern day uh, 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 Myrna, Myrna Loy and William Powell. Oh, how nice. <laughs> oh, what a nice Boy. comparison. He said, I was just, I was watching the other night. Um, uh, Gina and I were watching a film that they did the other night and they were so magical. And, and a quote that he had was that uh, Myrna was absolute gold she was just so wonderful to work with because so many actresses are so concerned with themselves sometimes it's like working with someone who has a plate glass window you can't feel anything but she was such a giving actress and so concerned with listening to what you had to say in the scene that everything was thrown out all the technique all of this and that and they just had fun and that's kind of yeah. the way it was with julie and me we just yeah. had this great time it and just let the guys fun. do their magic with all the and great the guy, script the, and the guys saw and the all the people they cast around us. All the mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, Peter Graves and Robert Stack and 
uh, Beaver, Cleaver's mom, and Barbara. Uh, oh, yeah, Barbara, Barbara, Barbara. Yes, I, I she'll always be the Beaver's mom to me. But yeah. <laughs> just this amazing cast that I is everybody that I grew up watching on television and. Bob knew I was pretty nervous and he just, you know, we're going to be okay, kid. And and it was just, I've, it had so much fun. It was the best fun ever. Your first feature, but also Bob's first feature. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but you were, yeah. you know, you were, he was shooting the television show, Angie. Right. And then running over and shooting the, uh, the, the movie. Scene. So he was yeah. going back and forth and back and forth. And I could always tell when Bob was coming on the set because there was just, I could hear laughter. He stopped and talked to everybody and brought joy <laughs> to everybody. And I thought, well, Bob's here. And as closer he got, the laughter came and came and then just plopped down and we started to work. Now, 40, years, my, 40 years later and he's still a loud mouth. What? <laughs> <laughs> so airplane came out monster hit and then uh naked gun uh, also monster hit and then there were a billion movies all trying to recreate that yeah and and they all failed miserably so do you know what was the difference between uh like airplane and all the Awful knockoffs. I think it was the boys. I think it was Jerry and David Zucker and Jim Abrams. I think they were the magic of it. Because they yes. knew just what they wanted. It was their sense of comedy, their sense of timing, their sense of a joke, what worked and what didn't. And uh, I don't know, Julie, I'm, I imagine it was the same with you, but I had people come up to me all the time. I have producers or directors, whatever, usually, you know, producer types, and they come up. And they say, I got another airplane for you. Uh, you know, oh. just as funny as airplane. And I no. knew immediately, well, that's a piece of junk. So neither one of you said yes to any of those knockoff satire films that were an airplane. And um, I, it seems like Leslie Nielsen said yes to everything. Well, he did the Naked Gun and then Naked Gun 2 and, you know, all of those Naked Gun things. Yes, he Which had a new career mm -hmm. in comedy. They turned oh, yeah. him into a comedian. <laughs> but he he was also in these films like 2001, A Space Travesty. And <laughs> yes, right. Repossessed. <laughs> and yes. oh, did just. Oh, there was, a fugitive, there was a fugitive spoof, too. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the man and had a, to work. And a, He's a James, actor. Yeah. And a James Bond spoof too oh, oh and also he had a fart machine oh yeah he was obsessed oh. with, with that it. with that wherever he went he took this machine i think he discovered it didn't he bob during somebody gave him to it doctor, during airplane because a doctor, it was funny a, it is a doctor friend of his i think in phoenix or tucson and he 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 brought a box full of them to the set and <laughs> sold them he sold them for seven dollars each and people oh, on the no. set bought it. And of course, with me, I looked at it and I thought, I could make one of those. I couldn't see. <laughs> Julie and I weren't being paid that much. So I didn't want to you know, spend $7 on something I could make. So I made my own and I brought it to the set. And, but, but yeah, he sold them. The hardest thing for, that was the hardest thing on the whole show. The scene yeah. where Lorna Patterson comes and gets me. And that's where Jesse was uh, 
pouring gas oh, yeah. on his head. The and... guy from the Kentucky Fried Theater, that actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 uh, <laughs> we kept doing it take after take, and the match was getting lower and lower, burning his fingers because it took that much time to really think about it and look at him like, gee, I know you want to hear the rest of this story, and him like, please, just go, go. Please, and please. so. So I finally went up there and, and uh, you know, both pilots. And that was the first time that Leslie and I had the, uh, uh, can you fly this plane? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. Don't call me Shirley. That was our first time we said that. And then he said, Mr. Stryker, can you, uh, we're all counting on, can you fly this plane? And I said, I flew singles of fighters in the war. But this plane has four engines. That's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. And then altogether, they said, it's an entirely different kind of flying. Well, that was a two shot of Lorna and Leslie, but on me, it was a single. So the entire scene, it was, Mr. Stryker, can you, can you land this plane? <laughs> that was the hardest thing in the entire film was trying to keep a straight face during that scene. He, he just loved that. I remember when the, the, the two guys from Paramount came down to came over to visit <laughs> and um they were like the studio heads and um leslie and i were saying hello and then he went and then he said julie <laughs> 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 what i just wanted to die and uh you oh, know it's just i will never forget that as long as i live and, and uh, to this day they think to this day it was me. Julie, yeah. I, I that remember was probably, uh... him say him one time. I met him, and he he explained to me all the different brands of fart machines <laughs> and how some are so much better than the others. And I said I had one that didn't work. And he says, "Was this the one with the red top and the black?" Uh, <laughs> but and I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Oh." Toss that one away. Those are never any good. And he gave me like the brand and exact uh, specifications to look for in these fart makers. I knew he was famous for toting that thing around, but I didn't know it went all the way back to the 70s. Well, this is when it, this is, yeah, 79 is when he, people didn't know about it around town. Like later, it just became legendary. Everybody knew about it. But he, he'd been using it for a little while. I don't know how many years, but just for a while. But on the set, he told me about, I said, Leslie, don't you, don't you ever get embarrassed by that? <laughs> and he said, no. He says, I figure at this age, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Which was his line. That was his line. And he told me about, he told me about a, a golf tournament in Little Rock, Arkansas. And the mayor of Little Rock had a big... Uh, dinner at the mayor's mansion for all of the people and the celebrities in the golf tournament. And he went over and said, oh, Mr. Nielsen, my mother is such a big fan of yours. Would you please come and say hello? He says, certainly. So he goes over and I said, you didn't. And he goes, yeah. He walks up and says, man, this is Mr. Leslie Nielsen. Well, it's nice to meet you. And the mother and the mayor and everybody were floored. They were like, what? He's, what? Oi. Oi. What a character. Julie, tell us about your audition. Because you, 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 uh, I read an interview with you and you said that you believe that comedy, and we've talked about this on the podcast many times, Gilbert, that comedy has to be played straight. 
Robert, yes. Robert, Robert said it before, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to look, be look, look like you're playing for the left, that you're playing for right. comedy. You, you, they, they say so such flattering things about you that they knew they had something when they found you. In fact, oh, I think yes. you, you rode up in the elevator with, was it David or Jerry? Yeah, I, I rode up in the elevator at the old Paramount um, Golf and Western building and um, I didn't know it was them. And uh, they were going up to audition people. And um, so we rode up in the elevator together and then I went in and there they were. And um, so then they invited me to uh, test with Bob. But um, no, I think in Bob, you know, Comedy isn't, I don't ever consider it funny. You, you, you know, I mean, it has to be from your heart. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, you can't go, oh, here comes the funny bit. Because um, otherwise. Because it's not funny. You're it's laughing. Funny. It's kind yeah. of like what what we used to figure was that it was when when you see a lot of films that are you know, slapsticky or the comedies and they're doing this schmucky, you know, kind of yada-da-da-da-da and laugh and laugh line mm -hmm. and they're laughing for the audience. The audience doesn't laugh as much because the person telling the joke is laughing about it so much. Right. It's like their little, per, their their astral projection is standing next to them looking at the audience saying, hey, here it comes, watch this one. Isn't that funny? And with yeah, us, and our little astral not... projections, we're looking at the audience and saying, "What? this is serious stuff. What are you guys laughing at? <laughs> you know, and, that was and the I, I heard with Airplane, the studio originally wanted them to hire comedians. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Uh, but instead they got, you know, Peter Graves, Lloyd Bridges, and Leslie Nielsen all playing it straight. So that's what was so funny. These ridiculous lines coming out of like totally straight guys. Yeah. Yes. Their yes. line about the casting, I think it was the casting person, whoever... I don't know if it was Joel Thurmer, whoever, because uh, there were several casting people involved. But but uh, the boys say that when they said, and we want Leslie Nielsen for this. And they said, Leslie Nielsen, that's who you cast the night before when you can't get anybody else. And said, no, that's who we want. Right. Yeah, that's, on, that's on the director's commentary. Yeah. And, they want, and, and then he becomes legendary for... For what he did. Well, we just had the director Barry Sonnenfeld here on the podcast, the director of the Men in Black movies and the Adam Sandler movies. Remember, Gilbert, he said, if the actors know they're in a comedy, you're dead. Yes. You're dead. Yes. That's yeah. right. In yeah. fact, that's what I noticed with Leslie Nielsen later on. He started to realize he was funny. And then yeah. he started to play for the laughs. If you don't have a director to hold you back, like the boys wouldn't let you do that. And that's why yeah. we were so lucky to have yeah. them, you know. But yeah. uh, if you do another show with other kinds of directors that want that, and they pretty soon you're, you're everyone on the, the sets laughing and you're all having a great time laughing together. And then you realize, oh, wait a second. This is just awful. This is this terrible. This is not funny. Yeah. Robert, tell me what you tell, tell Gilbert and, and, and Julie, what you said to me on the phone that, that, uh, Stack was the one early on that that probably the guy that grasped it the early. You mean oh, you that scene that, that well, one day you, Julie maybe remembers this maybe that he was the first guy in their mind when they started writing this as a script and they thought Bob Stack mm -hmm. as yeah. as Kramer. Well, they that had a the John Biner bit in mind from from this that they said in the director's commentary that John Biner used to do a bit as Robert Stack. <laughs> and when they tried to get Robert Stack to do it the way John Biner did it, he couldn't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the speech where he says, uh, top dog, head honcho. 
Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that, yeah. He, that it, it was, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was from a Biner, who we had on this podcast, <laughs> buddy, that it was from a Biner bit, and and Robert Stack didn't know what the hell they were talking about. But you, you oh, told me on the phone, he got he it early, tell and he had look. to explain to Bridges. Well, Julie, maybe you remember this. There was a, a day that uh, we rehearsed. It was in one of the little rehearsal spaces over there on Paramount with the hardwood floors, like a dance studio with yes, the yes, mirrors yes. Uh-huh. and the bar and the windows out there. And they had the tape on the floor and it was just uh, Lloyd and Bob and uh, Julie and me. And it was in the tower when we were in the cockpit. And so we were running that so we could get the feeling and the flow of the scene. And Lloyd was just, just you could see something bothered him. And, and he said, well, well, what are we doing here? And, 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 and Bob, Bob said, oh, come on, Lloyd. They just want us to be us. And, 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 and Lloyd kind of scowled a little like, oh. And then I think he just sort of took that and chewed on it for a while. And then they kind of started getting into it. And then he really did get it. He got into it and he yes. really understood then what it was. But uh, did he have those guys watch Zero Hour? Because I heard that, that even Leslie didn't have the exact cadence that the boys wanted right away, and they showed they sent they sent him home with a copy of Zero Hour. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. We we'd watch a little bit we of it, Julie. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we what they would it. do is they would also because they asked, "Do you think we're going to have to get the rights to this?" And the director. Or the agent or, you know, the studio, whoever it was, they looked at the script, they looked at that, and they went, ah, yes. <laughs> it's so much alike, yes. It's but so it was fun. so, it, so they got the rights for it, and they they got half the rights, and they went all over town trying to find who has the other rights to this. And it was really getting down to the wire, and they thought, God, who has the rights? And then somebody either said, oh, yeah, I know where those are, or they said, oh, here, look what I discovered. But it were right there at Paramount, the other half of the rights oh, were there wow. at Paramount. That's right. So, so they would set it up and we would go in. Remember, we'd go in the little the little uh, booth in the trailer or the little booth on the set and we'd watch the angles. And so we'd get the, the uh, uh, you know, with Joe, uh, our, our uh, uh, cinematographer. Joe Byroth, yeah. Yeah, and we would watch the angle and he'd see the lighting on it and the angle. And so we'd set those just so that was one more little in-joke, inside thing, that the yes. angle of that was the angle of zero hour. <laughs> It it's funny because when you watch Zero Hour, a uh, airplane looks like a remake. It's it, exactly. so, <laughs> it does. It's so close down to this uh, fish or chicken or steak or chicken. They had the same meal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we we had David Zucker here on the podcast and he was 10 I told you this on the phone Robert that he the 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 one guy they were worried about and you just you just mentioned it was was Lloyd that that if you watch it again I watched it again last night probably the 70th time I've seen it Stack is playing it you know as serious as a heart attack so is Peter Graves who who threw the script across the room when he first read it and didn't even know right. why they why they asked him to do it and Bridges Worst piece of trash right yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll oh ask. I know he was embarrassed about yeah. with his kids he was, he was so embarrassed. <laughs> and his daughters, his his daughters said, "You got to look at this again, Dad. This is funny." And his agent said, "Peter, this is there's talk about this. You got to look at this." So yeah, finally, he said, "Well, okay, I'll take a look at it." It's and so then he really got it's so it. funny because they make Peter Graves like like out to be a, a 
child pedophile. And he told me he told me about being in a supermarket one day, and he looked up, and there's a woman and her son, and he looked down and said, "Well, hi, young young man, how are you doing?" And the woman looked up at him and went, oh, "Don't you talk to that man and turn off." <laughs> But oh, well, David told us in looking back at the movie that 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 Bridges is the is the only one that they think is is a little bit playing it a little bit for laughs, as as <laughs> yeah. a, as opposed to Stack and 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 Leslie and uh, and and Peter Graves, yeah, yeah, who got it, yeah, yeah, quickly, and and also yeah. uh, well, Gil, what Gilbert's talking about in terms of the uh, the studio wanting comedians, and I learned this from the director's commentary, they also wanted cameos. From sitcom stars, which oh, was my. which was shot down. They wound up accepting Jimmy Jimmy JJ Walker. Yeah, yeah. but that was sort that, of that was pretty delicious. That was great. Yeah, he cleans, yeah. The, he cleans down, the windshield. Yeah, yeah. but Whoa. there's a, there's a story that Howard Koch would call these comedians agents and say, "Listen," and tr and try to try to talk them out of being in the movie by saying, "Look, you don't want to be in this. You don't want to be in this thing." <laughs> Tell us about well, Leslie. There was a there was a uh, the, the, just on that last little bit there with yeah. Lloyd. There was a scene at the end that we was written in the script, but um, we never did film it because Lloyd didn't want to do it because Sea uh, Hunt meant so much to him. Uh -huh. But there was a scene after he he went ah and he jumps out the window and crashes out the window, and then he's at the end. It cut to him at the end of the runway in full Mike Nelson's get up with the. <laughs> You know, with everything oh, and the double hose regulator, the old double hose regulator, everything. And he's going like this at the end of the runway with the under, uh, you know, the, the narration underneath. I didn't know the moray eel was hidden in the rocks. And then it cuts back to us again. But he didn't want to do that. But it was in the script. Oh, that's great. One little bit in the script. I read they approached George Kennedy, too. Uh, Gilbert, it's interesting, too, uh, listening to the, the Zuckers uh, on the commentary, that they approached Jack Webb, uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., uh, lots of people. And George yeah. Kennedy did not want to spoof his role in the airport films. Yeah, he he liked, he, he loved what Universal had done for him, and he didn't want to offend them by making fun of the role. And I think that was in Airplane 2, and that was uh, where uh, uh, Lucas McCain, that's where Chuck Connors played that instead. That's right. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and George Kennedy would later... Being only naked gun movies. Right, he yeah. finally got got with the program. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't spoofing his character in Airplane. Well, Universal didn't want us to have it be called Airplane because they said that it sounded too much like, like Airport and they thought that people would mistake it and they go in thinking they were going to see one of their great, you know, uh, uh, airport movies. And, and so Howard showed it to him and said, okay, guys, look, just take a look at it. And then... If it's not funny, you guys don't like it, yeah, okay, then we'll talk about changing it. So they looked at it, they laughed their butts off, and they said, okay, you can call it airport here, but in foreign countries, you got to change the name. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, yeah. yeah. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast, but first, a word from our sponsor. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, 
You're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What about Ethel Mervin? She was in the scene you were in, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. The one that Julie and I were in, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. Julie's in the scene, too. Forget yeah. Yeah. Yes, we were what? in the hospital. That's right. It was our spit take. The yeah. big building with uh, windows. Any memories of her, specific memories? The, the, the boys said she was a great sport. Yeah, just the fact that we got to be in the same room, in the same in a scene, room with her. Same scene with Ethel Merman was kind of uh, historic for yes. us. It was great. Well, and she's <laughs> a link I... to another great wild comedy. And it's a mad, 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 mad world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a great movie. And, yeah. What a yes. great movie. Yeah. He did uh, it. He kicked the bucket. Yeah. That's it. That's the part of the movie where they, <clears throat> I think, in the hospital, uh, a guy has post-traumatic stress, you know, stress syndrome, and he believes he's Ethel Merman. Merman, that's, that's exactly. Yes. And, yes. and then they show him, and it really is Ethel Merman. Right. With the guy with the SDP sticker on the back of his yeah. doctor gown. Yeah, pulling a, pulling a dipstick out. Robert, what's the deal with the vulture on your shoulder? How, do, <laughs> how, 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 did, how did that happen? It was obviously a, tra a trained bird. Can you train a, a vulture? I, I guess. <laughs> yes. I mean, they told me it was trained. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to ask about the uh, the disco scene, which you guys oh, actually yeah. rehearsed. We yes, did. You guys took it seriously. We of had course. the guys. Remember now, there was uh, Lester Wilson. Remember, and mm -hmm. and and um, and Joe. Oh gosh, I had his name. And he was a he was a choreographer that did a lot of Disney films and things for Disney choreography. And Lester was one of the guys that was instrumental in giving that whole sense of style and feel to Saturday Night Fever. So so we had the guy that, you know, that uh, created that style and he was great. And we rehearsed for two weeks, I think, wasn't it? Two weeks, we went to his studio after work and rehearsed yeah. and then... Yeah. Uh... Yeah. So then we go and we do this. That's the thing that Julie was talking about when I was doing um, uh, Angie. Angie, the TV series Angie. Yeah. And we'd come in at nine in the morning, start rehearsal, read throughs, rehearsal. We'd cut for lunch and I literally would run for the for the door, the stage door. And as I was running, someone would throw me. It's like I was going out for a long pass. They'd throw me a Ziploc baggie with a sandwich in it. And I jump in the car, eat the sandwich, wolf it down as we drove just to the other side of the lot there at Paramount. And then I jump out, get into wardrobe, make up for uh, airplane, and then we'd start shooting on the scene, on the uh, the dance scene. And mm -hmm. and uh, and then they'd say, okay, they'd call and say, okay, uh, uh, we need him back. Yes, but say, okay. also, and then we'd keep the whole, going. The whole juggling thing was your idea. Oh yeah, when you, you really could jump. That was your idea. <laughs> well, that was that was uh, that was Jim's. He said, "Can oh. you juggle?" 
And I said, yeah. And he threw the things into me. <laughs> he started but then doing you it. decided to go down real low and up real high. That was all, as I remember, you made being, that all up. Being goofy. Yeah. Yeah. But it was yeah. fun. Yeah. I had people saying, when doing the Gazatsky and both legs were going out, you know, one, <laughs> then the other. But then when I had both legs going out at once, I actually had people come up to me and say, how did you do that? And I said, I really worked out. <laughs> and, and they believe me. And they believe me. <laughs> what about the what about the scene on the beach? Because I I, I understand it was a freezing day. And, and if Chilies. I watch it, if you watch it closely, Julie, when that water hits you, you look genuinely shocked. <laughs> I was well right before they let the tank go. I remember yeah. we were all we were lying there and Bob knew what was coming. And Bob said to me, hang on, just hang on. And then yeah. how many thousands of gallons was that ten, tank? 10,000. Ten, 10, 10, gallons, gallons yeah. of water hit us. Yeah. And then they, they pumped put it fish up in out my of hair. The, they pumped it. Yes. Uh, fresh water catfish. And they had that in her hair. But and I didn't the, know it was uh, in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> they pumped the water up out of the ocean. It was down there at Leo Carrillo Beach on the north side of the point there. And they pumped the water up the slope into this portable canvas, portable tank, 10,000 gallon tank. And then they just dropped the flap and let it rush down as the, the wave supposedly was coming back out. So we had sand getting down into our eyelids and just everything. I mean, it was oh, miserable gee, and it every, was cold and yeah. I think I still have some sand in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's funny about that scene is it, it plays as a, as a dead on parody of From Here to Eternity. Yes, right. indeed. But, but of course, right. they claim they had not seen the movie. Yeah, the boys. Yeah, it's, to that it's point. possible. It's possible. What's it like seeing with, with an audience nowadays? Uh, I don't know, <gasps> oh, Ju we I don't just, know. we just. Oh, excuse me for interrupting, sure, Frank. Sure, I'm ahead, sorry. Yeah. We no. just got to experience that in San Francisco, and it yeah. was there were 600 people, and it was a ball. It was a ball. People came dressed like. It might have been more than Bob. that. Uh, oh, Richard you did the was sketch saying, maybe fest 1200. in San Francisco, right? Right, yeah. right, right. right. How, and what and was it? Yeah, what, what was it like? It's been years, right, since you'd seen it with an audience? Well, years I mean, You, were, you did it in 17 and, with, uh, with David. Yeah. It was so yeah. fun. And to hear 600 people who you probably weren't born when we made the film laugh. I mean, just, you know, it and was like, great. Oh. It was so fun. Yeah. It was very, one of the best. Now, David and I have done this a bunch of times and I've done it with Jerry and David and Jim and, and then Jerry and I did it once and, and we do little, you know, fundraisers or charity things or whatever. But this was maybe the best audience. It was one of the best for sure, but it's possible it was the best audience that we've had since it came out. It and was, part of it was every single drug reference was uh, hilarious, but then of course this was the Castro Theater in San Francisco. Right. So <laughs> the the old I woman mean, doing the line of coke. Yes. Yeah, oh man, <laughs> huge, huge. <laughs> but it was like Julie said, I, the audience was just totally into it. They were just so. I mean, it was like it was fresh, like brand new. It was really brand great. Yeah. What What about the three headed director? I mean, that's that's got to be an interesting experience. Three, three that that David and Jerry and Jim directing a film, which they which, which by the way they had problems with the DGA letting them yeah. do oh, that. Oh, well, you know, yeah. it, it was it, maybe that was their way around it because Jerry always found was the one who would come and talk to us and tell us what to do, and then the other two boys would watch it 
on a camera and then the, all three of them would huddle together and discuss everything and then they go yeah and then jerry would come and talk to us that's kind of how i remember yeah. it i don't know yeah. how you remember yeah yeah it was but they were so of such a like mind that that when they did yeah. talk to you all at once one would start a sentence the other would say the middle and the third one would end the sentence their just brains were just right Connected. on the same wavelength yeah it was so great. It was so great. No problems yeah. at all. It was just It was great. pure joy. Yeah. yeah. And, and joy. Robert, you were in that uh, Stephen King movie. Oh, Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye. Yeah. And I mm -hmm. heard you, you said you were injured in that? Uh, he cracked a rib on that. <gasps> and oh. and uh, uh, I had, uh, I landed in the scene and I just was all beat up. I cracked a rib. It was lunch. We wrote for lunch. I went to the dock. They did an x-ray and they said, oh, it's just a just a real minor, tiny little, you know, just it's not that much. He didn't break anything. It was just kind of cracked and, and it's hard to breathe. So he said, here's some uh, here's some painkillers. And of course, I didn't oh. want to take anything while I was acting. But we came back after lunch in the very next scene because I had to go. It was like 40 stories up, supposedly. It was this perspective set that was built by this Spanish uh, set designer. It's amazing. And so I was on a ledge that was probably about eight or 10 inches wide. And I had to go all the way around this whole thing to win the bet with this mafia guy so I could live. And so the scene where they surprise me, blurring horns and everything, and I go, oh, and I slide down and I land on the ledge down below. We came back from lunch. And I came back from the doctor, and that's the scene that we had to film. <laughs> so I lay down on the ledge, and the edge of it is right where the crack in my rib is. Oh. So when they said, okay, ready? Now let's show a lot of stuff here. Action. And I'm groaning away, and they said, great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Excellent acting. Excellent acting. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a very physical part, and a pigeon, too. I don't, uh, you, you, seem to be, you seem to be sharing the screen with birds. Yes, yeah. A uh, trained pigeon pecking at your at your ankle. I kept looking around for Alfred Hitchcock. I knew that guy's got to be here somewhere. <laughs> I like that movie. We were just talking, Gilbert, yeah. about how they don't do horror anthologies anymore. But that's a good one. Yeah, that Cat's was eye. that was really fun. That was it was well. Louis, Louis Teague yeah. did that, and Jimmy Woods and Drew Barrymore and uh, uh, Alan King and. Ooh, we're oh, gonna watch yeah. that tonight. Yeah. Oh, it was it was. Julie's it firing was that one up. Yeah, I sure yeah. am. Julie, Julie. Well, the great thing, you know how when, you, when you're when you working, you know, Julie, you, you're doing something and you've got to be careful about your hair and careful about the makeup. And they say, ready, come back. And, oh, let's get touched up now. It was so hot down there in North Carolina. It was, we walk out of the set, D Dino De Laurentiis' uh, new soundstage and everything that they built down there and uh, the studios. And <clears throat> it was rainy and, you know, in the southeast, rainy and windy, and I just stand out there in the rain and go, oh. And then we come back in and say, okay, get back on the set. And I'd stand there and they turn the Ritter fan on about seventy miles an hour, so it didn't matter. I could do anything I wanted. I just stand there. <laughs> Julie, can I ask you a question from a listener? Sure. Sam Weisberg, we like to. We field questions from listeners on our Patreon, okay. a thing we call Grill the Guest. I want to know, I'm a big fan of Julie's, and I want to know uh, which scene was it harder to get through without cracking up and breaking the scene? Uh, any of Leslie Nielsen's moments in Airplane or Albert Brooks' famous nest egg rant? 
in Lost in America. <laughs> well, that was pretty hard to get through. But once again, you know, it's, it's, well, I think it was harder with Leslie because he made that machine go. And, uh, you know, you just couldn't stop. But, you know, but once again, when you're, uh, with Albert doing that scene, it was terrifying for me, is, you know, is playing his wife who just, spent the nest egg so he was you know that was i was you know in the character and being terrified and so um of losing everything but uh you're so leslie, good in that movie. leslie was just you couldn't get through a scene and and uh with his machine <laughs> and i remember in lost in america it turns out that on top of everything, you ha you find out you have a gambling problem. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I didn't know. He went to sleep, so I went downstairs, you know. Uh, I was up, I was up. Did people yell 22 at you, Julie? I'm sorry? Did people yell 22, come on back yes. to me? Yes, they do, and people get mad at me too. Like, oh, how so. could you have done that? Because you know, so, uh, we wouldn't have had a movie otherwise. Yes, a very funny movie, Lost in America. Very, Thank very, you. very, very Thank funny. I, I love when you're at yeah. the table and he says, he he drags you into the cafe. Yes, yes. And you start to reach out with your fingers, and he says, if you pick up a Kino card, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then when he goes to 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 um, uh, there is no Santa Claus. Um, oh, oh, Gary, oh, Gary, Gary Marshall, Gary Marshall. Yeah. Just I. That's one of my favorite scenes where he just tries to say, "I, I will, you know, give you free advertising that you know I, this is the casino with heart." Oh yeah, and the Desert Inn has heart. Desert Inn has yes. heart. Yes, the Desert Inn has heart. And and Gary says there is no Santa Claus. It's just I love that. And I remember he says in that scene too. Uh, he well, you don't give the money back to everyone. You separate us from the <laughs> usual schmuck who goes to LA to yes. see Wayne Newton. Newton. Yeah. Yes. I, I like Wayne Newton. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, Albert was cast as a gangster in a movie called Drive. This is a little trivia I found because the director was so impressed by his anger, the, the, yeah. the anger and the rage that he that he directed at you in that movie. Yes, <laughs> he got a he yes. got a part thirty years later. <laughs> oh, a funny well, gangster! You know, that was a brilliant film he he wrote, and I I. Uh, Loved working with him and and real proud to have, have been in it. Yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful movie. Here's one for you, uh, Ed Marcus. Uh, uh, Robert, uh, for in Airplane 2, the sequel, are you of the opinion that Gilbert should have been given the role of the Mad Bomber instead of Sonny Bono? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a different film, wouldn't it? <laughs> Gilbert, would you have been able to play straight? Yeah, see, I... He, he, Sonny Bono was like a perfect choice because he started late in his career. He started popping up in movies like that, you know, like the straight versions of movies like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, Robert, we were talking about character actors on the phone. Gilbert, Ro Robert knew Dub Taylor and Jack Elam. Oh, yeah. And Royal Dano. And Royal Dano. Yeah. And I was watching yeah. Cat's Eye. How about Ken McMillan? 
There's Kenny a, McMillan was great. Really oh, good character Kenny actor. Was, yeah. Ragtime. Yeah. And- There's that, that scene <clears throat> when I make it back in and um, they say, so you win, you win the bet. Here's the thousand dollars and you get my wife and they kick over <laughs> the, the horrible scene where it's the ice chest and her head rolls out because he's beheaded her and, yeah. And I just go screaming in when I'm, I go after him and his hitman is going to shoot me, but the cat runs in front of him, trips him. So I get him. And anyway, I wind up with the gun, get, knock off the hitman. And there's Kenny. He's on the couch, slithering down <laughs> between the coffee table and the couch. And in the scene, he just started, I'm threatening him. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I am just insane right and i've got a gun and in the scene he takes this i think it was a penthouse magazine and he just starts thumbing through the penthouse looking oh yeah that's weird and it just happened right in the scene and i'm thinking what the hell are you doing what are you doing (laughs) i mean inside my character was thinking that and i was thinking that and it made an interesting kind of a moment (laughs) and that was kenny julie what about two legends you worked with ernest borgnine and michael Mm -hmm. kane Uh, any, oh, any specific memories of either man? Two well, favorites of this podcast. True gentlemen, just true, true gentlemen. And uh, you know, if if um, Ernest was going to tell a joke and it was dirty, he would wait for the ladies to leave the room. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> he just, you know, just like Gilbert. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and Michael Caine, just, you know, a, a true gentleman as well. Is yeah. it true that Michael Caine had stories, just millions of stories about the business and about all the stuff? I, I heard that, that that he would just regale people with stories. Oh, yes. Yeah. Wonderful, That's wonderful, great. wonderful stories. And then I, I just worked a little while ago with Shirley MacLaine, and it was so fun wow. to sit around with her. Because, boy, did she have great stories. You know, I just sort of like in between takes, it was very cold. We were up in Canada and we bundle up and I just listened to all of her stories about the Brat Pack and, you know, Hmm. going off to England for three months. And I said, oh, were you doing a play? And she said, no, we were playing. You know, to just like take off for three months with the guys, and uh, about you know, that? just um, and you know, she worked with everybody, everyone, you know, everybody, yeah. Peter Sellers, and you know, oh, just Jack Lemon, soup to nuts, yeah, you Billy know, Wilder, yes, yeah. yes. So and her, her was, brother, her brother, uh, was kind of successful too. Yes, he, yeah, he did okay. <laughs> <laughs> he did okay. <laughs> When you when yeah. you work with our our friend Adam West who did this podcast, so Gilbert Watt, the second year we were doing this, maybe the maybe the first, yeah, we started this show fun. way back in 2014. That's so cool. Now you now you were Adam's oh love interest on Family Guy. Yes. You did know, you I record never... together? No, I, oh. that that was like a very big regret. I you know they just call you in and you know, but I was so excited that he was my husband you know but i i uh, never got to meet he, him he was very funny on the podcast very funny i will send you that episode he's he oh a, that'd be fun. iconic a charming guy yeah he didn't and, take and himself you, seriously I, and i still didn't get the 
the one with Gilbert singing with um, Dick Van Dyke. I oh, she wants to hear that. you sing with Gilbert oh, Dick Van yeah. Dyke. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll get it to you probably. Yes. <laughs> oh, can we at have one, a little, can we have a little taste? At one point, <laughs> Dick Van Dyke said to me before the song, he, he goes, okay, now this part is like a D. And you, and then he, he looks and he goes, oh, do, well, however you want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he gave up. I think yeah. we have video of that, Gilbert. I think I think Neil Berkeley has that on video. Yeah. Oh, and Julie, you, you studied with another hero of Gilbert's and a co-star of Gilbert's, right? The great Bill Hickey. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. it was wow. great. I loved it. Uh, HB Studios. And he would come in and, you know, the most wonderful thing that he taught me and I think his class was there was no, there was no wrong, you know, like if you wanted to do something, he didn't challenge you or uh, however you did it was right. So if you wanted to do a cartwheel during a scene that was, it was just, if it was in your heart, you know, not to. Uh, and he was never critical, never, ever critical. And so it was very freeing. I always look forward to going to his class because he never judged. Did, did, did you, you know, really spent, and I love, you know, he was always smoking and, you know, just sort of hair all askew. He, he was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I remember I worked with him on Wings. Oh, wow. He was Uncle Carlton, and I was his nephew, Lewis. <laughs> and I, I remember he had one line where he's talking about my character, and he goes, he's a nice young man, but he's got such an annoying voice. <laughs> <laughs> a legend. Here's yeah. another legend, Gil. Robert worked with and knew Jimmy Karen. Oh my God! Another guest on the show, and I sure. worked with him too. Another was, sure. lovely man, Terrific. wonderful, wonderful guy. Yeah, a sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was in. He was in uh, "Take This Job and Shove It" with Art Carney and wow. Royal Dano and Royal Dano. Uh, uh, gosh, there were there were a couple. Oh, the of hilarious guys too. Tim Thomerson. Oh, and Eddie Albert, Eddie Albert, and Eddie Tim Thomerson. Yeah. yeah. Tell tell us about yeah. Carney. And, and, and yes, yes. There's somebody we're curious. We're all curious. Oh, God. He was, jeez. Oh, I mean, a legend to me. But we were in Dubuque, Iowa, and we were staying at whatever the nice hotel there was, which was, was that a Motel 6? No. I don't know. It was, but it was, it was, but it was, uh, it had a little dining room downstairs. So he and I went down, had dinner one night, and he was telling me different stories about like you know the shooting the cuffs you know how uh how he would do that on the honeymooners oh yeah every time he'd start he'd move things around and then he'd kind of do this and then oh yes do the oh. his he got that from his dad and his dad used to do this wow. and then he would he'd pick up but but he wasn't he was all very precise his dad but and he'd get the paper set up just right and then he'd kind of do this and then and then he'd move the ink well over just a half an inch and then he kind of <clears throat> Do that a little wow. bit. And then he'd move the inkwell right back where it had been. And all of this just to get ready to sign the paper. <laughs> that's all he was doing. But he would go through this whole thing, and that's where Art got all that. Yeah. I and I noticed he's... there was a mm, – go ahead. No, I think he said he would show him his report card, 
which he was always failing in school. And and the father would like torture him by yeah. doing that, you know, waving his hand and not saying anything. Yeah, and taking forever. There was a woman, a, a, I noticed out of the corner of my eye because I had started to develop this little radar. You kind of get that after a while. And Julie, I'm sure you, you have it where you can tell when someone's coming up to you and you've, they got that look in their eye and they got a feeling about them. There's just, you can just sense it and they're coming up to get an autograph or to give whatever. And, um, <clears throat> she was coming up here. We're having dinner and they're coming up right in the middle of our dinner. And I kind of was pushing food around and I filled up my fork and right when she came up and said, I don't mean to bother you, I had it right like that, like I was about to put a mouthful. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye that Art was doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, and she said, I don't mean to bother you. And he dropped the fork and said, but you're going to anyway, aren't you? <laughs> and, so, and she said, well, I just put, and I just thought, oh. And so... Could I get your autograph? And said yes. And then and she said to me, "Can I get your autograph?" And I said, "Certainly." And so I did it. And then afterwards, I said, "I noticed that you did that with the fork." We were both doing this. He says, "Yeah, I noticed that too." We <laughs> both did that at the same time. It's just timing. You just want them to kind of get a little accentuation, you know, a little accent mark on the fact that you know what you're doing. It's right in the middle of dinner. We're about ah, but that Carney's one of those actors like Bill Hickey. I wasn't aware of Bill Hickey until Pritzi's Honor. As, oh. as, as, as a screen presence, I mean, he'd been working as, a, as, a t as an acting teacher for a very long time. Uh, and, and Carney, everybody thought of him as Ed Norton, but he had a resurgence on the big screen mm -hmm. late in his career with, with mm -hmm. Harry and Tonto. Harry and Tonto, yeah. And, and, oh, and yeah. Going in Style, which is a terrific mm -hmm. movie with Strasberg and your, and your movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how some of these guys, you know, get a late career breakthrough. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I had that. I told you about that picture. That was a treasure. Yeah, you when did. <clears throat> we were between shots, and I just had my my coat and tie off, and I just had a t shirt on, and he had the same thing. Just a shirt had some tissue here to keep the makeup off the wardrobe, and we were leaning on the railing, just leaning, looking over down at the brewery, and we were shooting in the Star Brewery, real brewery in Dubuque, and we were looking down there. We were just talking to each other, and. And uh, the photographer took a picture of it. And then he, he uh, in the mail, after the film uh, was over, we were back home and they were going through post on it and whatever else. But I get this package in the mail. The photographer had taken that picture of us, sent it to Art, had him autograph it to me, and then sent it to me, which was so nice. And Art was really oh, nice. sweet on it. Love he it. was really nice. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, here's another qu question about uh, about two legends that you both, well, in Julie's case, someone you worked with, Julie, tell, tell us something about uh, the late, great Robert Altman. Oh, he was he was great. It was during his Paris time where he decided to go live in Paris. He was mad. So he and his wife and um, it. it he, he he's just a lot of fun. You could, like the Mad Hatter. Uh, you you'd uh, he demanded that everybody go see dailies after work, oh, and you had to go. <laughs> um, and then sometimes you know you'd have dinner and go off with you know he and his wife and 
pack everybody in the car and you drive around the all over Paris. And he, oh he was just like, and you never knew if he if he, if he was shooting your foot or your elbow or a close up. I mean, he just, you know, and also he could he could do sound. He could run a camera. He could do he could have complete he could filmmaker. do it all. And mm-hmm. uh, just a very, you know, um, I think he loved, I don't think I know, he loved making movies and he felt very, you know, they were, you know, I guess if a movie was held up or didn't come out for, I think it was a couple of years before um, a couple of his films came out. And then, uh, but he, yeah, Mad Hatter, like working what, with Mad Hatter. What a body yeah. of work. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Robert yes. and Robert, tell Gilbert and Julie what the the story you told me about Brando at the party. Oh well, oh, but before that, I was going to say we, I worked with Altman also. You did, but yeah, but it was not. Uh, you said Gilbert, you said it in the opening things. It wasn't Mr. T and the women. It was Doctor T and the women. Mr. T and the women was another film. <laughs> did he say Mr. T and the women? I like yeah. to see that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And well, that was fool. the movie where he goes, yeah. Get those legs up, you fool. Yeah. Get those legs up. I'm going to check you out, fool. <laughs> Mr. T is a gynecologist. Yes. <laughs> but ours... Don't but give I, me I that jibba-jabba. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me, Robert. I, I should have asked you about uh, Altman as well. Well, he was, he was wonderful, but... but it's different getting into a car and driving around Paris or like for me, it was getting in a car and driving around Dallas. That's not quite <laughs> not the same. <laughs> yeah. We go to barbecue. We go to barbecue out there and they rented a place that was beautiful, big, big, beautiful home in a very nice section of Dallas. And he and his wife, uh, uh, she was so sweet, really a nice lady. Dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And really, really sweet. And, and, uh, so I, it was Thanksgiving and I stuck around rather than flying back and then flying back and forth. I just stayed there. Mm-hmm. And so he had me over. I'd go over and have dinner with them all the time. And, yeah. and we'd talk about, we'd talk about filmmaking. We'd talk about editing. Talk about, I just would sit you and listen to him, get him going. That's great. Oh, so you, was, both, you both got to know him. Yeah. yeah, and they, they were really great. They were really both great. embraced his actors, and he mm-hmm. wanted to have dinners and, you know, groups. and. Uh, he wanted their input, too. He'd like to yeah. get the actors' oh, input. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which was great. Yeah. Wonderful. Was great. Mm-hmm. He made great yeah. films in, what, four different decades? I mean, the guy really yeah. had a, just, and, and in different genres, real impressive yeah. body of work. Yeah. And his son, who I think was 16 at the time, he'd have his sons, and... His daughters and son-in-laws and nieces, Everybody nephews. Was the, part. They worked on the set. They all worked Everybody on the on the show. Part. Yeah. But his his son was, I think, sixteen. One of his boys, and when he was doing Mash, and he was saying, "Gee, I want to do something. Yeah, I want to do something." He says, "Well, why don't you just go write a song, write a theme song for it?" And he came up with "Suicide Is Painless." He made more money on Mash because of the deal that oh, Altman right. had. Than wow. Altman ever made yes. on it, and he didn't have. I mean, normally he directed the film, but they had really screwed him out of that. So when they did the series, normally you also did the original product, and then you would get a residual through the DGA or whatever. And he never did get any of that, which I thought was pretty crappy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great film. McCabe and yeah. Mrs. Miller is one I could watch. 
yeah. oh. over and over again oh. any any time oh yeah a, a real genius but tell, tell gilbert if you can what, what you're you about you're running with brando because it's funny i i was doing a film well i was doing a film with a um a guy andrew mcglaglin who is victor mcglaglin's son oh, uh, oh wow who who won the academy award for best actor for the informer the john ford film. yeah and uh uh his daughter he set me up with his daughter mary and so one of our first dates that we went on was to go to the family that she lived with so much. She was almost like uh, part of the family because she grew up with the daughters. And, and when her folks would be having a little trouble, whatever, she'd be over there all the time with them. And it was a guy that had worked in the mailroom. Uh, and when Brando came out from New York on the train, they sent him down and said, yeah, we got a new actor. You go down and meet him, this kid in the mailroom. And so when Brando meets him there, he says, so you're my uh, agent. And he said, no, 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 no. I just work in the mailroom. They sent me down here to meet you. And he says, no, they're the ones, you're the one that they said to come down and meet me. So you're my agent. So overnight, Jay Cantor went from a mailroom guy to the yeah, one of the most great, powerful agents in Hollywood. Great Hollywood and then later story. became a studio executive. So we go to Jay Cantor's house because Marlon is the godfather to his daughter. And so we go to his house in the backyard. They're having a big, uh, you know, the wedding, the reception and everything. And we're sitting there. I'm sitting next to Brando at one of those big round tables that have about 10 people. And a photographer said, uh, with this Hungarian sort of accent, he says, Marlon, let me get a picture. And he was the only uh, paparazzi guy that Marlon would ever allow around. So Brando grabbed me by the shoulder, turned me around, and he took a picture of the two of us. And I knew this guy. And um, later he told me, I knew if I asked him for a picture, he would do that. And so that was the picture that I wound up with me and Marlon Brando, him with his arm around me, holding me around. Yeah. Wow. Uh, didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't you start to tell a joke and he cut off your oh. punchline? And after that, someone came up, someone came. Now, this is Marlo. Marlon, when he was in the heavy period, which, you know, at the end of his life, he was very, very heavy. I mean, morbidly obese. Yeah, morbidly heavy. obese would be a, yeah, a safe description. Yeah, yeah. And someone gave him a T-shirt, which might have maybe fit his thumb. But, but uh, so he had the T-shirt sitting right here between us. And we were just kind of telling jokes and just doing stuff around the table. And so I started telling a joke that I thought was a very funny joke. People really liked the joke a lot. And I was telling it and it kind of sets it up. And then you get to right where the punchline is. And Marlon says, you know, I remember there was a time where there was just something. He was mumbling something. And I picked up, it was just an instinct. I picked up the T-shirt and I threw it at him. And I said, not the punchline, Marlon. <laughs> oh, wow. And then I wow. thought to myself, oh, what have I just done? <laughs> and so then I went on and I finished, and all the people are standing there with their mouths hanging open, like, ah, and I'm thinking, ah, yeah, ah, Jesus. And then later on, <laughs> apparently, Marlon tells Jay uh, Cantor that, uh, you know, this was really fun. I think I'd like to have a party. I think this is really, I really enjoyed this a lot. 
And I'd like to have that uh, that uh, Bobby Hayes. I'd like to have him at the party. Uh, <laughs> so uh, apparently, uh, apparently, he liked me throwing the throwing the uh, the T-shirt. You won over Marlon Brando. Yeah, with a T-shirt toss. Quick All question. it took was a T-shirt toss. Question for Julie from a listener from Stevie Thomas. Julie, uh, how did you so accurately capture the wine drunk L.A. mom for Marriage Story? Is she a wine drunk? <laughs> <laughs> she's she's a little ditzy. Um, I, I just, you know, once again, I mean, I, 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 Noah is word for word perfect. You know, it, there's not one word that's off. So I just, I said his words and I did what he told me to do. And I had a great time. He's amazing to work with. He's like, you can see when he's working, it's, it's really when he's shooting, it's his playground. And uh, I mean, I just, was honored to be working with the beautiful Scarlett Johansson and Merritt Weaver and and uh, no, I just said my words. It's a terrific movie. <laughs> Thank is you. she is, is Scarlett Johansson? I can't, I saw her around people. Is she small? She's short. she is. She's not, she can wear stripes going, you know, sideways. Not many people can. <laughs> she's yes. so beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. And no, she, really she just comes in, you know, we had to sing this song in the movie. It was Sondheim. And I was just like, I don't sing. I don't dance. I was like literally singing and dancing and having people come work with me at my house. And plus they were teaching us and uh, we had practice time. And so, and then Merritt and I were like just sweating. And then Scarlett comes in and just does it in five minutes and was, oh, bye. But she's so, such a great, lovely gal. Not only is she just brilliant, but um, we were shot late at night and she would, and, you know, she didn't brag about it or tell anybody. I found out from somebody else that she would have like a, a, a tomato soup and grilled cheese truck come or a beignet truck come for the crew. Oh, you nice. know, late at night and just, uh, you great. know, a, a great, great young lady. I, I mean, she's early 30s. You know, she's still a baby. Wow. And, and look yeah. at her, you know, uh, work and uh, just a joy to be around. Just a joy. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Okay, I have to yeah. go from a, jo a joy to a negative experience, or at least a uh -oh. challenging experience. Can you say anything about shooting What About Bob? Um, well, whatever you've heard, I can say it was all true. So Dreyfus says that Bill Murray threw a, a heavy ashtray at his head. Yes, he did. Okay. I mean, wow. I'm not saying it. You know, Richard. Richard has said that, and I... You know, I was next to my my house was next to the uh, the office house, and I know there was it, it was not a happy. Uh, I had fun because um, I'm <laughs> sort point. of like a happy idiot, but um, <laughs> it, it got a little. Uh, Frank Oz, who directed it, was just wonderful, you know. And then sometimes we go, please direct us like Miss Piggy, you know, because we just get so. <laughs> But uh, no, yeah. everything you've heard is true. You're dealing yeah. with two two, uh, wow. two mercurial characters there. With, it, but uh, it, it, I think it Murray. worked great for the movie. Yeah, it's a fun film. 
you know, um, but uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, you never knew what was going to happen the day you went to work. So. <laughs> Gilbert, what's your, what's your favorite laugh in airplane, Gilbert? A, a, a verbal joke or a visual joke? Oh God, there are so many. I've decided I have mine after <laughs> oh, last okay. night. Okay. It's, it's Kenneth, it's Kenneth Toby is on the phone. <laughs> You, I think you used him in Starman too, by the way. Yes, uh, Robert. Yeah. He's on the phone, and he says he's the guy's a menace to everything in the air. Yes, birds too. <laughs> too. <laughs> That's and, my new favorite. And I remember because <laughs> we were talking about the uh, chicken or fish uh, thing, and they said, uh, "Oh well, we serve chicken or fish." And Leslie Nielsen's this. Uh, yes. I remember. I had the lasagna. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> I'm also fond of when uh, uh, Jonathan Banks, who would become a big star on uh, Love Jonathan on, on Breaking Bad and uh, and yeah. Better Call Saul, is he's he's looking as you're flying. He's 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 monitoring your. He says yeah. 900 feet, 1300 feet. What an asshole! He's all over the place. He's yeah. all over the place. What an asshole! What an That's asshole. one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. It's <laughs> yeah. a great joke. I also, I loved. I loved. It's just. It's a. It's kind of like the boys. It's a real great example of the boys of their stuff, and that's um, uh, Leslie and Peter, uh, when they're right behind the cockpit, and he says, "How long before you can land?" Ah, I can't tell you that. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean I just don't know. Well, can't you take a guess? Well, not for another. Three hours. You can't take a guess for three hours. No, I mean, you just can't land. I mean, to me, that was just, and the timing on everything, and that deadpan look of Leslie's. I love you when can't Leslie's take a guess lying, for three hours. and he's, when he's lying and his nose is growing. And his nose is growing. And then it goes, it's. Yeah, it's a broomstick. Yeah. He says that yeah. they're, they're, they're at the controls, they're flying the plane, free to pursue a life of religious freedom. <laughs> Religious fulfillment. Oh, I mean. and when the woman asks for like a really small, a uh, light reading, and yes. they, they oh, go, Julie's here's right. a pamphlet on, <laughs> on <laughs> Jewish athletes. Yes. Yeah, famous Jewish sports legends. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that's one of those examples. I think they were talking about Julie of you of you playing something exactly as straight as it could possibly be. Yeah. 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 Also, when uh, you say, "Does there anybody who knows how to fly a plane?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys. That was as, the genius of the boys. Yeah. As, we, yeah. as we wind it down, yeah. we we had Jason Alexander on the show, and he was telling us, uh, and this happens to Gilbert too. Gilbert, we've talked about how people approach you and say a, a comedy bit or something from Aladdin meant so much yeah. to them. Uh, or, from or Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yes. That, and, and that <laughs> SNL season. That episode you did with Robin Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> when you did that Elephant Man sketch. Yes. Oh, Jason told Memorable. us that, that uh, some uh, some military men approached him while he was having dinner and told him that they well they were deployed and how much Seinfeld had meant to them. And yeah. it really it really became a part of their lives. So here's a movie 40 years ago. You guys read this script, you go in, it's a job. Could you could you have imagined looking back 40 and I'm sure you've been you've even been asked this question, 40 years later, the impact that this thing has had not only on your own careers, but on the lives of so many people. Yeah. You you, you must feel a you must feel a sense of gratitude about it. 
absolute gratitude and joy and surprise and uh just it's super neat huh bob oh gosh we just like i always figure like we won the lottery yeah you know it was yeah. it was it's been so yeah. great yeah even when people run up and do the lines and you know oh i love for it 40 I, years it hasn't bothered you not one iota no i just people come know, up they they they'll come up to me i don't know if they do this with you but they come up to me and they'll say Oh, I'm, I know you're probably sick of hearing this, but gosh, I just loved airplane. And I have to say, okay, now hold it right there. You're taking a chance and I'm going to be one of those jerks. So that's kind of maybe a little scary. Who knows how I'm going to react. But you take that chance. You come up to me and you want to tell me that you love something that I did. Yeah. Why would I be sick of hearing that? <laughs> and they start laughing and they say, oh, good. I'm glad. Oh, and I, yeah. and then they want me to sign something or whatever. But it, it's just been great. 40 it's years of bliss. 40 years. Yeah. Did you it's think? It's amazing. I, yeah, it is. I imagine. Even, I know it's 40 years ago and it's jogging your memory. But at any point during the making or during the production, did, did, you, did you even let yourself entertain the idea that, wow, this could really be something that that endures or this could be something or you're just trying to get to the i mean you were running around working well working 20 there, hour days but i i started thinking that um gosh you know this could be like this could be like a cult classic on the college circuit so it really have some legs you know it could last for a while you know and then we all started thinking when the dailies would they were running dailies over and over four or five times in a row to get all the people in that wanted to see them at the, at the studio. And then the word started coming back that it was like, oh, gosh, there's really, is there, you know, there's some a, a talk about this. There's a buzz that's starting. So then everybody just didn't speak. And we were standing around, about five of us standing around. And one kid came up and he was he was there doing a day, you know, just kind of in and out for a little quick thing or two days or something. And he came right up into the group and said, hey, I hear this thing is going to be a smash hit. And everybody turned and walked away because we didn't <laughs> want to hex it. Wow. So we started feeling maybe, what's it going to be? We don't know, but maybe a little something maybe. And then people started coming up to me, friends of mine had come up to me and said, hey, I just saw a trailer for your film because that's my film. That was my very first film. So... So you know, funny. it was that they hadn't, it wasn't, oh, which film? <laughs> it was the only one. So they said, saw trailers for the film. Those are all the jokes, right? And I said, nope. <laughs> and Both of you. you. And Julie, same question. I mean, did you, yeah. at, at, at any point during the process or, po or, or you know, when it no. first came out, and I imagine you saw it with an audience. No, I, I, I had gone back to New York and I, um, <laughs> it, it was weird. I was babysitting for money. So I was <laughs> living in my girlfriend's Movie grandmother's star. alcove. So, um, you know, I was just kind of. Then, when um, they had a screening on Broadway in a big theater, and my brother and I went, and he, I remember he bought me a new pair of shoes oh, to wow. wear with this dress. And, oh, nice. And, uh, and then it, it then the phone started ringing but i never thought about it until then i mean it's just sort of i was worried about you know trying to get an apartment and then i got a sofa and then uh got out of the alcove and uh you know and then it was just joy that i think it 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 never really dawned on me until later 
And it's yeah. just such a joy now. I'm, I mean, I was just, what I really mean from my heart, I was just grateful because it opened doors and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. got other work. And I got out of uh, Susie Mara's grandmother's alcove. <laughs> both, your first movie, both of you, and it turns out to be one of, a movie preserved by the, na- by, the, uh, by the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress. Isn't that cool? Yeah. A film, yeah, just, a, a film deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yes. Your, fir- your first movie, and your first time. I got wow. a great friend from it, Mr. Hayes. Oh, how nice. Yeah. We, yeah. It's so fun. It's so fun because yeah. we get together. Well, we're not at the moment because of the yeah, certain little virus floating around, but but uh, we love getting together and having dinner and uh, yeah. it's just really great. She and Richard and Gina and I, and, I mean, it's just really fun. Really, so really it's fun. a 40 years of friendship and, and whether you like it or not, Gilbert, you're still my friend. <laughs> Gilbert, you can't you, escape. Yes. You can no. run, you can hide, but you're going to be my friend. <laughs> uh, Gilbert, I, when, I, when the, go ahead. No, I think back on those days in Spain huh? where we'd be <laughs> hang out together. I know we used to go to that little coffee shop and all squeeze into a booth. Yes. And then, and you'd make fun of me and make me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Run away from you. And uh, you'd come running, you know, talking like me. And so then I'd have to talk like you. But I can't do it. Julie Julie rides horses, Gil. Yeah. That's where you said, I hate it here. They all hate Jews here. <laughs> yeah. I was any, any memory of saying that, Julie? <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's saying no. I don't. I She's think, her I head think no. you might have changed it to make it uh, Gilbertism. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert, Julie has a horse that she rides. If you go to L.A. to visit her, Julie, will you let him ride? Sure. <laughs> and i you know before when we was trying to get everything working here which always takes three hours yeah but and everyone was was, uh pressing their cell phones i thought oh shit the last time i saw both of you there was no such a thing as a cell phone a cell phone no no i've known you all too long isn't that nutty Yeah, and I, I think the, even the computers were like that. In fact, in airplane, when Jonathan Banks and the guys are playing, yeah. that was they thought they were being cool because that was state of the art. That <laughs> little Atari basketball, oh, whatever right. that was, That's right. those computers. little computers, stick figures. Oh yeah. my God, that yeah. was that was computers that was, was something you saw in science fiction movies. Or yeah. the villain of a James Bond film. Movie, yes. Yeah. <laughs> or the Jetsons. Yeah. Well, we're, we're grateful because the technology has allowed us to do this and to connect with yes. you. Guys. Isn't this crazy? This at is this, a crazy at this time. Chaotic time. Yeah. And we, we thank you both so, so much. And we thank you for, for being such an important part of the culture. Oh, well, thank well. you. And I, it was nice to meet you, Frank and Gilbert. Same here, Julie. Next time I come to New York, watch out. <laughs> I'm going to find you. 
And I, I, I want to share something. My, I want to share something. My, my, my lovely wife walked into the room with this before we started. Can you see what this says? Frank, I just want to tell you good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie. That's Leslie my, lives. My, my, yes, Leslie lives. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Gilbert, we'll that. always have SNL, Gilbert. We'll always have SNL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to Google it and find it and watch it. <laughs> this has been Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And we've been talking to the man who co-starred with Mr. T. <laughs> 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 fool, you fool. And and the girl who has a more annoying voice than me. <laughs> Julie Haggard. <laughs> Julie Robert, this is a tremendous kick. Thank you. Oh, this is great fun. Happy 40th anniversary. I love that you guys do these. I think it's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you, guys. This was really, really, really fun. Thank you. God bless you both. Thank you.